Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED lights, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Dave. Welcome to On The Market. I'm joined here by the full force of the On The Market podcast. We have Kathy Fecky. Kathy, how are you? Wonderful. Glad to be here with you guys. Henry, what's up, man? What's up, buddy? How are you? Uh, doing well. Jamil, what's up? How are you doing, handsome? I'm great. Good to see you. Oh, thanks, oh, man. <laughs> that was like a dating show. Oh, yeah. James, <laughs> James, flatter me. What's going on with you? <laughs> I kind of caught me off guard. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm blushing now. <laughs> I'm kind of blushing for you. Oh, yeah, I know. Jamil, you're really uh, charming our pants yeah. off here. When, you know, I try. <laughs> well, today we have a great show. We, we did a version of the show, I think it was like back in May, where we asked you all to bring us deals that you are currently working on, and we're going to do a version of that. Uh, so, I mean, we've all been talking about how there's a lot of opportunity in the market right now, and we figured it was a good time to bring this concept back so you can share the types of deals that you're seeing in the market, that you're actually working on in the market. And uh, I'm pretty excited to hear from all of you guys eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Is everyone ready to go? Yes. Let's do it. I love talking deals. All right. Well, Kathy's the only one who didn't respond to that. So let's start with Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) What deals are you looking at right now? Well, we have a single family rental fund, as I've mentioned, and we are rapidly acquiring properties. So one of them is in Gainesville, Texas, purchase price, a whopping $80,000. Yeah. Um, And the rehab, about $50,000. So we're looking at an ARV of $160,000. This property will rent for about $1,325 right now, but the area is growing so rapidly with all the chip manufacturing that we expect to see rents go up. Plus, we're doing an A-class renovation because a lot of the jobs out there are 
uh, six-figure jobs. So they're they're wanting a nice place to live. So believe it or not, a $135,000 property will actually be a class in this area. Uh, so it's kind of like a burr strategy, but within a fund. So we'll be raising the money, raising the capital in the syndication, acquiring these properties with cash, renovating with cash. And then I do expect, at least the bank that we're talking to is expecting uh, rates to come down by the middle of next year, at which point we'll refi this part of the fund and go do it again. But I don't know next year if the deals will be as good as we're getting right now. <laughs> so the bank may be able, it may make sense to just buy some points down and do a refi sooner to be able to take advantage of the market. But that's, that's just one of what will be a few hundred of the same. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, that sounds like a really good deal. Just eyeballing it meets the, the 1% rule roughly there. And you're that, you know, 1% rule is assuming that usually that you're putting 80% leverage on it, but you're holding this in cash. So that must be throwing off a lot of cash. Yeah. Well, initially, yeah. Initially, we're purchasing with cash. It just, you know, the rates just kind of don't make sense for a fund at this point. But my partner in Texas has a really good banking relationship with a local bank that's excited to lend to this fund and does is quoting in the fives. Oh. So we'll see. That's great. Yeah. What kind of term is that on the five? Um, I don't know for sure. I would need to find out, but I'm going to say a five-year. But I, I will uh, – I'll, I'll have the details. We, we didn't uh, – we don't know what the market – lending environment will be in six months, which is when we would be doing the refi. So we, we don't, I don't know the specific terms, but this is at least what that local bank is saying that they would do. And how do you find this deal, Kathy? Through my partner. You know, I'm, I have a, as you know, I'm a, I guess a lazy investor. Is that what you'd call it? We have uh, people all smart investors. <laughs> we have um, teams all across the country. We have uh, that's been our business at Real Wealth for almost 20 years. So we have partners in different markets who do the work. They find the property. It's usually a property management company. So they have the teams in place. Uh, they have the repair teams, the acquisition process. I think on this particular one, it was yeah, it was a wholesale uh, deal. And she is just getting bombarded with wholesalers calling, um, negotiating. And, and if you got the cash... It's, it's, you know, you're, you're in business. You mentioned a little bit about chip manufacturing. Is that the main draw to the area? There's so much technology moving into that at Texas Instruments and every single day. The calculator people? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you go to growdevelopments.com where there's a, a, a video of this fund and what we're doing, you'll see every single day there's a I don't know if it's every single day but almost where a company is moving usually from California to Texas um, because it's just a better place to do business at this time so so many a caterpillar is moving there um, so there's just all kinds of different companies but in this specific area there's really they're they're just kind of calling it the Silicon Valley of the I don't know it's not it was kind of a funny term but of, uh, of oh, Texas. They call everything Silicon something. I know. I'm so tired like Denver, of Silicon like Valley. Silicon <laughs> Mountains. They call Amsterdam Silicon Canals. It's so stupid. I know in Park City, it's the <laughs> Silicon Slopes and, you know, yeah. But there's a lot of tech companies moving there uh, just because the cost of labor is so much cheaper and then your employees can live better. You know, imagine that living in a 
Well, renting $1,325 in rent for somebody who would be paying three or four times that in, in the actual Silicon Valley. And why specifically single families? Such a good question. It's it's an asset class I'm just really comfortable in. And there's so many deals right now. It is being hit hard with the higher interest rates. So we're able to get great deals. And you know, a lot of times that's where people want to live. They want to live in a single family home. Um, but we're not walking away from duplexes or fourplexes. We're just kind of keeping it in the one to four unit. There's there's just a lot of people who prefer to live in a and rent a single family home. And of course, um, as a fund manager, we can sell off homes that really just aren't performing the way we want them to. You can sell them off individually. So the loans to a fund are, are unique in that way, that you can sell off assets that just really aren't performing, whereas that's obviously more difficult to do in, a, in an apartment. <laughs> But I know James is going to talk about an apartment. And I'm kind of jealous about it. I know it does. Look, it does look pretty good. It looks we'll have really to good. Hear about that. Um, well, any other questions for Kathy? Kathy, it sounds like a great deal. Congratulations on on this and the larger fund. Um, love the strategy. Know a little bit about North Texas. I know you're you're you've been bullish on that for a long time. So uh, I'm sure it will work out well for you. Twenty years. <laughs> Twenty years in Texas, is my happy place. I love this deal. It's totally bulletproof right now. You're buying it for 50% off. The the rent covers no matter what. Doesn't matter if the, the property goes down by another 30%. Doesn't matter because your rent's going to cover. And if you decide you don't want to keep it, you can you can sell it and rack a return. That's your bulletproof safe deal in a recession market right now. That's, I mean, you just nailed it. Like I'm, I'm older than you guys. I don't know if you noticed, <laughs> but we're, we're conservative. And a lot of our members at Real Wealth are conservative. We underwrote this fund extremely conservatively. We barely accounted for any appreciation at all. We we expect it will be there, but I just didn't want to underwrite it or promise that. But I, I'm going for conservative right now. And I know a lot of other people are looking for that. And that's why I like it too. I think Dolph DeRue said the deal of a lifetime comes around every week. But I feel like this is one of those deals of a lifetime, Kathy. It's a great deal. I would absolutely do it myself. So good find means a lot from you coming from you guys. Oh yeah, that's a buy all day. Multiple exits, that's what you need right now. Yes. All right, Henry, let's move on to you. What are you uh what are you working on there in Northwest Arkansas? Yeah, my deal's actually not too dissimilar from from Kathy's deal. Uh this one is a single family home. Uh we it's in Fayetteville, Arkansas, so it's in a it's in an area of Northwest Arkansas that people um love. It's a little further out. Um, then maybe most of the homes around the area, but, um, but I've actually done, this will be the third deal I've done in this little street. Um, and so I'm very familiar with the area. I'm very familiar with how well or, or not well it does. And so that gave a level of comfortability, but we're buying a single family home. Purchase price is 70,000. It is a two bed, one bath. And, um, again, uh, you know, I talked about this on a previous episode and I just kind of mentioned it with Kathy. I'm looking for multiple exit strategies right now. If I can buy it and underwrite it where there are multiple exits, I'm typically going to buy that deal because I know I can pivot, um, one of, one of two to three ways and still make a profit. So purchase is 70,000 ARV is 180,000 and, what we're doing with this property is we're going to go, we're, we're taking a three, a three pronged approach. The first uh, approach we're taking is the wholetail approach. So um, this means we would just 
clear the property out of all the stuff that the seller leaves behind. Uh, make sure it's got floor coverings and make sure that the HVAC, all the appliances are working, plumbing works, electrical works, and we stick that thing on the market. The plan would be to stick this on the market at about $125,000, right? And when you look at the median home price around here being up close to uh, 300,000 or just under 300,000, more like 200, 250,000, like finding a house that's livable where everything works and you can pay 125,000. That's still hard to find even. And you're, and you're getting with, it, you're putting it into a condition where it's financeable, financeable, 100% financeable, buying it for 70, make sure it can get, make sure it can pass a conventional, uh, conventional loan standards. And then put that on the market for 125,000. That's a steal. Um, and then, uh, if for some reason that doesn't work, option two would be to go ahead and do that renovation and do that flip. So to do the whole tale, we'll probably spend between two and $5,000, just depending on what needs to be done. If we were going to flip it, we would probably spend somewhere close between 25 and $30,000. And then we would sell it for the one eighty. Uh, and then if neither one of those work out, we always just put a tenant in it. So we'd spend about 20 grand, 15 to 20 grand, uh, put a tenant in it and rent that sucker out for between $1,200 and $1,300 a month. So I'm fairly confident that the wholesale strategy will work. I am not 100% confident that we'll sell it at 180 given the interest rates keep rising and uh, that buyer's pool kind of shrinks. That first-time home buyer's pool is shrinking and shrinking when that happens. Um, we'd sell it, but we may not sell it for that 180 that we're thinking. But obviously, we underwrote it so that we have a lot of room if we need to come down. And then uh, very, very confident in being able to rent it out and get that twelve to $1,300 a month. So um, that's why I like this deal, because there's multiple exit strategies. But there's a bonus with this deal that made me really love it. And there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> so, so this house, when I bought it, when I was looking at the property, it's a house. It's on almost about an acre, just under an acre. Uh, but there was a and, – and part of it is just a – kind of like a lot that was next door. And so I said, Hey, is this, is this is part of your property too? Right. And she was like, yeah, I think it's a separate parcel. So when I did uh, look into it, it's two parcels and it's already split into two parcels. So we closed on both. I will sell the house without the parcel that it came with because I can get the same ARV with or without that parcel attached to it. And then I own that parcel now free and clear. And so I can sell that parcel to somebody who wants to either just have the land to somebody who wants to build something on it because it is a very buildable lot. You have to clear some trees, but it's super buildable and there's obviously utilities. And so the plan is we either the plan is we do the strategy we talked about with the house and then sell the lot probably on terms to someone where we take a two, three, four, five thousand dollar down payment and then have them make payments to us as the bank for owning that lot. So I get to cash flow the lot and or sell it and make an additional profit plus the strategies we talked about with the house. Henry, how do you make that decision when you come to the fork in the road on whether or not to renovate it for retail or renovate it for rent? Yeah, we just go with the easiest first, right? Uh, I want a quick turnaround if I can. So we're going to stick it on the market as a wholesale first. We'll leave it on the market for two to three weeks, see what happens. If we don't get what we want, then we'll talk about what's the best strategy given the current environment. Things are changing so fast that things could be different in a month when we when we look at, at, at making a pivot. But the first strategy we're going to do is to try that wholesale strategy because it doesn't take much money to renovate it. We don't have to do anything. We just get it on the market. If that doesn't look like it's working, then we'll either pivot to a rental or flip. Well, Henry, 
Henry, things are changing so fast that since we started recording this episode, the Fed raised 75 basis points yes, since we did. started. That, that's yes, actually not they, a joke. They, that's not a joke. That actually is 100% happened. true. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> well, it was expected, I guess. It was. It was. Love this deal. Great, great buy. Like if you can go through any different channel, I mean, these are no brainer deals. Everyone that's freaked out by the market right now, this is the definition of a deal where you can get in and out, rack a return, make money. Uh, it's safe in all different aspects. This is the recession deal. I think it's awesome. I mean, anytime you can go in and wholetail it, that's a win because you're buying, you're not buying, a lot of over the last couple of years, people have been buying on the Performa. Whereas if you're, if you can wholetail it, you bought on the now, you're buying so deep that you're buying below the as-is condition, and that's a safe deal to get into, right? Like, if it's only worth 125 as-is, and you're buying it at that 70 grade, that's a win. And so buy that way, and it's, it's safe through any kind of metrics. I think this is a fantastic deal. And talk to my lender and just keep them all in your own commercial fund. <laughs> yeah. Don't sell. <laughs> okay, give me some money. We'll do it. Hey, I'm in. And, and for anyone who's listening to this, who's trying to get their first deal as well, I just want to point out that the two deals so far, Kathy's was for 80 grand and Henry's <laughs> was for 70 grand. Yeah. So just pointing out that although houses have gotten very expensive, it's more expensive to finance. Even if you don't have a lot of cash saved up, it is still possible to get into the market and do deals like Kathy and Henry are doing. But I do want to say this would not be, this would not be a great property for a new investor because- it's a pretty deep rehab as well. But still, if, even still, Renault, you said what the ARV is like 160? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So still yeah. achievable for people who, who, who might not have a ton of cash. It's just hard to do a renovation on a property you know, that's not where you live. You need a really good team that you trust and you need to be able to oversee it. Um, so you know, obviously, in Henry's case, he's, he's going to make sure that it's being done well and he knows the business. But you know, to... What do you think, Henry? Do you think somebody new to the business could could do your deal? My deal? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it doesn't need much work at all. I mean, it's for, oh, okay. it just we just need to cover up some of the floorings or, or replace some of the carpet, and then that thing is that thing would be. I mean, somebody was living in it right now, and it was in decent shape. So, I wish we could. I wish we could. You know, show pictures of these things so people could get an idea of what <laughs> these look like. We probably could in the show notes if if someone wants to. We if you send them over and and on YouTube, uh, we could yeah, do that. I'll send, we I'll send pictures to them in the show notes. Oh yeah. All right, James, let's move on to you. You're switching it up, talking multifamily. What do you got? Uh, so my deal is a lot different than the last, the first two that we talked about. Actually, our <laughs> our uh, assignment fee is the total of the two purchases together on this deal. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, so this is actually a building that my uh, my business partner uh, locked down. It's a syndication deal that we are closing on tomorrow. Actually, the docs were just on my table. I was signing them right before uh, the show. Um, it's 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 a great purchase. So it's 58 units in Everett, Washington, which is uh it's the uh, where Boeing is. Great location. They just opened a new airport called Payne Field, which is actually more. It feels like a private airport, but it's a it's the airport of, of uh, Snohomish County. Um, so we're right next to the airport. It's 58 units. Um, we paid 11.35 million for this building. We're going to put in two and a half million into the renovation, which is actually an all cosmetic turn. It's very simple. We get in and out. That's one thing that we do like to do on our bigger projects or syndication deals is stick to the cosmetics, not the heavy, heavy value add. It just gets a little too complex at that point. Um, so the total project cost with rehab is going to be 14 million. And after um, 
it's all renovated and stabilized, it's going to have a 16.9 million stabilized value at a 5.2 cap. So uh, at a cap rate that's very reasonable. These buildings were trading for the last two years around a three and a half to four cap. And so what we've seen is, you know, my partners, he does a lot more of the syndicating and the packaging of the deals. And, and he's been, it's been hard for us to get in that 50 to 100 unit uh, quantity because all the hedge funds have been buying this stuff up at ridiculous margins. And so since we've seen the decompression in the market and the market get a little unstable, it has great opportunities in there. So we syndicated the deal. We raised um, roughly about $3.5 million to take it down. And then what we were able to do, and this is key for any of these type of deals, is well, my partner was able to lock the financing on this. You um, you know, for me, I want to stay away from variable rate loans right now, especially in any kind of syndication deal or anything on a variable rate. And so we were able to lock the financing, I think, at 5.7 uh, on a five-year term, and then it can kick up to um, plus two over a 10-year. But we plan on actually refinancing this out or selling it at the five-year because it yields uh, a 19.7 IRR, or it's going to be a 15.8 IRR to our investor clients. So it hits... Numbers we have not been able to get in a really long time for this kind of location. Um, it's a great purchase. It's kind of funny. Like as the market gets, you know, worse and people get more afraid, we're actually taking down bigger deals now um, because we want to go where the margins are. We don't really care about the money. If we need to raise the money, we'll raise the money. If we need to put the money up ourselves, we'll we'll put the money up ourselves. But these bigger deals are actually coming to be more profitable again, and they're giving really good yields. Um, and so it, it's opened up a whole nother investment window to where we're kind of getting out of the lower end and we're going to the, the high because that's where the gaps are right now. A lot of people are calling us with bigger buildings to move around, but we're stoked about the purchase. We didn't be able to get this in two years and, and now we are, we're closing tomorrow. That's incredible. What, what are the terms for the investor? How do you carve that out? Okay, so they're getting um, a six point. So this thing stabilized. One thing I forgot, it stabilizes out as six point one nine cap too, which again we have not been able to get over the last couple of years. Um, so the investors are on an eighty twenty split, and then they're getting uh, they get a six percent pref return, and then we don't waterfall this deal, so they're going to keep the upside in the IRR at that point. So uh, they got a lot of uh, they get a lot of extra kicker on the deal. Wow, how do we get on your list? <laughs> you have to know us we like to we are uh not big raisers we like to you know for us like we've been investing for a long time we like to invest with people that are like-minded they know us really well they trust us um so luckily we're all on a podcast together we're all friends so you're invited to that group but uh, we, we do keep it pretty tight you know that in and that is, I think that's important for anybody raising money needs to realize is they better be like mine. They better be on your side. They better have the same understanding and the same goal in their investments or don't take the money. It turns into an absolute headache. You know, just because someone wants to give you money, don't always take it. Great advice. James, just curious with your business, you, you do a lot of single families, you do a lot of flipping. How big or small can you scale your renovation and construction effort? Like this, this seems like a pretty big deal. Are you, can you just keep doing this for as many deals as you can get? Or do you hit a point where you can't scale your operations much further? 
That is a that is a great question. So what we've had to do because we are in multiple different construction aspects. We build townhomes and single family homes. Uh, we have our apartment renovations, uh, and then we have our fix and flip. Those are actually three different segments of construction teams for us. We keep them completely isolated, so they don't share. They're not mixtures. So our fix and flip team. Typically, we can handle about 20 projects at a time, and we don't go any more than that. But what I've done recently is I've actually gotten out of third party and brought in more labor on that side to where we're actually controlling the schedules, which has allowed us to do more projects and keep them moving more efficiently. Our um, townhomes are all built in-house, so it's done. We don't hire out builders. We build them all ourselves. Uh, so we manage that process. We have superintendents, project managers, and, and general labor staff. And then be- we also staff our syndication deals. Uh, and typically, depending on the size of the complexes, like we do have one roughly about – it's roughly about 200 doors down in South King County. That's actually staffed with its own construction team. So we have – Numerous different project managers, and then we bring on labor staff behind that. So we can handle quite a bit of projects at one time. Typically, we're like right now, we're turning about 200 apartment doors right now across different sites. But what's key to that is making sure that we're buying in similar locations. We don't want to stretch out. So if we're finding deals all in the same geographical location, our team can, we are targeting those areas, like projects that we already are working on. So we have um, another 35 unit up in Everett right next to this one. So that team can pop right over. And so that's kind of where um, myself and my partner are targeting what is efficient. It's not about just being able to buy the right buy. What is efficiently work with inside uh, your teams at that point. Um, so we can scale up. I mean, at the same time, we were as the market started coming backwards, we were like, well, do we need to cut our staff back because we won't be buying as much? But it turns out we're getting amazing buys. So now we're going to staff up on labor. But by not hiring it out and doing it ourselves in-house, my partner's been able to reduce our cost per unit by at least 20%. Uh, they're going faster. And then we can staff up and staff down to control the timetables a lot better. Sounds very effective. That's awesome. Henry, is it the same for you? Just I know you do a lot of flipping and you do a lot of renovations. Are you uh, scaling? What What are you doing these days in terms of your renovation teams? Yeah, so for me, running a much smaller operation, uh, the the contracting aspect has been difficult. I've been looking actually at bringing a couple of the guys that are currently uh, that we're currently contracting through on staff to see if that's going to increase our efficiency at all. Um, we are finding more and more deals. Plus, when I'm keeping rentals, I'm typically buying under value as well. And so those need work too. So it's not just renovating the, the, the flips, but I have rentals that need renovations as well. And so right now I've got more work than my guys can handle. And so we are in the market looking to hire new people, but I'm also trying to think creatively on how can I leverage the, the, the people that I have to have them working more efficiently. This is dealing with contractors or, or, or said differently, the, the contracting aspect of the business has always been uh, a more difficult part of the business. And, uh, and it, it absolutely can limit your ability to scale right now. I feel like we're in a, an okay place. I'd like to have, Two, I'd like to have three crews at all times if I'm going to outsource it. And right now I have one. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine, you know, as James was saying, like uh, people, it might be easier to start hiring a little bit for these things too, as a lot of construction, at least large scale construction, multifamilies is slowing down a little bit, at least in terms of new, new permits. And better pricing. Yeah. Better pricing. And then look into how you can exchange out your expenses. So like what we did on our fix and flip, and it's a new program for me is I got rid of all my over the last 90 days, we've completely leveled out our construction teams and we rebuilt it 
in the last 90 to be more efficient for this new market. And what we did is we took our management staff, which is like our project managers, which were heavy salaries. They're around 100 grand a year up in Washington. It's expensive. And but they, they don't they don't reduce your bottom line. They just make it efficient. So what we actually did is the construction slowed down is I replaced my project managers with hands on general contractors that I'm paying 100 grand a year. They're happy to get that money now because they're sick of running their own business and their workloads going down. And now they're project managing and doing labor for me. So I'm sending subs out. They're coordinating the subs for me. At the same time, they're installing windows, flooring, millwork, doors, and light framing. And so what it does is it reduces down my cost, replaces my management costs with labor and management, and reduces my overall expense there. And things are going substantially faster. I, I don't know why I didn't do this a year ago. We're just basically right now recruiting generals to be our project managers and then having more of them, but we can run our sites more efficiently. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you found some some very good people. I've never met a contractor that efficient, but good for you. But if they're on payroll, you can actually tell them what to do every day. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamil, let's get to you. What are you up to? Well, I just feel like the lazy one here on the on the panel because my deal's easy. It's easy. It's uh so I I live in a beautiful neighborhood in Phoenix, Arizona. The neighborhood's called Arcadia. Uh, it's on the border of Scottsdale and Phoenix, just lots of activity, lots of people, a uh, lot of, uh, short-term rental activity, great hotels. So, you know, I like to be in the short-term rental game where there's luxury five-star hotels nearby, because that tells you that's where there's demand for people to want to stay in that type of property. Well, we are going to be hosting the next Super Bowl here in Phoenix, Arizona. And it just so happens that the first time I ever got into the short-term rental game was the last time we got we had the Super Bowl here in Phoenix. So uh, I'm familiar with what happens to a town when you get a Super Bowl activity. We've got the Barrett-Jackson auction that comes every year. We have waste management, which happens every year, and now the Super Bowl. So I feel that for the next at least 12 months, we've got strong demand in the short-term rental space. So I am purchasing a very beautiful home that's been sitting on the market on my block, actually. It's about five houses uh, to the east of where I live. And it's a gorgeous 3,800 square foot house that was remodeled in 2010. Now, 2010, if you guys remember, it was slate central. So it has, you know, really terrible slate floors, um, gray and purple walls. I don't I don't know. I understand why the house didn't sell. They, the sellers needed to do just a little bit in order for the house to hit that price point. It just so happens that the house was just recently appraised at one point seven million dollars, which is in line with the comps for the neighborhood. But these sellers are really motivated. They're both attorneys and they just want out they want to downsize they I, they may be leaving the state and so they were ready to make a deal i basically just called off the sign and uh i i shot them the number that i wanted to pay and that was a million dollars and i was very firm with my number and they took it so now looking at that at a million dollar purchase with a 1.7 million dollar current appraisal i believe i'm walking into some equity even if we do slide down even further i'm going to be in a tremendous position when the market rebounds but in addition to that if i leverage and put 20 percent down i'm looking at around a 4800 a month mortgage payment um at six percent my 
estimate right now after running some numbers is I should be able to net about $500 a night at 20 nights uh, per month. So I should be getting about $10,000 a month in gross rents for a short-term rental. Now, because we had been in the space before, my wife was running our short-term rental business in the past. She is, we, our daughter who uh, is almost 17 years old, really doesn't want anything to do with us anymore. So she's kind of taken, my wife has taken a little bit of a, you know, she's like, what do I do? And so um, this would be a great opportunity for her to get back into the short-term rental game. So our goal is for her to manage it, what's going to reduce our expenses on it. I'm expecting to be running at around 25% expenses. So my goal is to cash flow roughly $2,000 a month on this property. And if I'm putting down $200,000 as a down payment, I'm getting $2,000 a month in cash flow. And when the market rebounds, I have a few hundred thousand dollars in equity. I think it's a pretty decent deal. Sounds like it. Sounds pretty decent. Did I just hear Jamil say he was going to hold on to something and he used the word leverage in the same yeah, sentence? Yeah, both things I'm, I'm typically uh, allergic to. But, I was wondering if um, anybody else was as blown away as yeah. I was. Yeah. I'm really tempted to buy it out in cash, but like I, my, my uh, uh, accountants have said, Jamil, stop it. Like This is irrational. You need depreciation. You need to, we need to spread your money out further so that you can get... Because I wrote another ridiculous bill uh, check to the IRS this year, so... I've got to do better. And so this is going to be a part of that process. Well, all joking aside, I mean, you have been on the show said many times that you're averse to holding debt. You're you're primarily a trader. You're flipping stuff. You're not holding on to things. But in this market, you know, I think most people would assume you'd keep doing that, not wanting to hold on to something. What, you know, obviously the tax implications are are big for you, but what is it that changed your mind and makes you feel confident doing it in this market? Is it just such a good deal? It's such a good deal. And I, and I really believe in the neighborhood. Like I, the, first and foremost, Phoenix, Arizona, the average lot size for our properties is like 7,000 square feet. It just so happens that these two streets where I, I live, uh, my street and then the one street north of me, this, we, we all have half acre lots. And it's, there, it's really rare in, in our neighborhood to get huge lots like this. So there's a lot of demand for properties on these large spaces. Secondly, I get family coming into town all the time. I thought this would be a great spot for them to stay at when they do come to town. They don't have to stay in my house. They can stay down the road. Um, but, you know, $700,000 walking in equity. I mean, and this wasn't a friend of theirs who appraised it. It was one of the foremost appraisers in town that gave them an appraisal. And so at $1.7 million current appraisal, I think what happened for these guys is they just didn't, they had the house so customized to their liking that if they had just done maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars in updates to the house, they would have gotten their number, or they would have gotten close to it. They probably would have sold this for a million five, um, but they didn't want to spend any money. They didn't want to do the work, and so I'm looking at it as though I can put in a little bit of cash, update the house so it's beautiful for a short-term rental, and I know as soon as the market comes back, I can put that thing right back on the market and probably make a few hundred thousand. So I'm playing an educated timing bet like i'm timing the market right now i know we always say don't time the market but i feel like i'm timing it well i'm buying this deep 
And my goal, I'm not going to hold this forever, but I probably will hold it until the market rebounds and then I'll sell it for a big payday. And in the meantime, I'm going to make great cash flow. And my wife's going to have a good time managing the short-term rental. I just looked up some of the tax benefits you can get from this. So be sure to talk to your CPA about the Qualified Improvement Property, the QIP. It says in 2017, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act created a class of property called the QIP. Uh, so big bonus depreciation there and then cost seg strategies um, that some of them will disappear or be lessened um, next year. So great year to be doing that and to try to be claiming some tax benefits. We're doing the same thing with one of the Park City properties that we bought and I've been furnishing. I'm going this weekend to finish furnishing it. And all of that is like accelerated depreciation. Talk to your CPA because it's different for everybody. But this is a really good year to take advantage of those um, cost seg strategies and, and QIP. You know, I think I'm taking this a little personal. The last episode I recorded with Jamil, he said, hey, come stay at my house. And then this episode, I'm here like, oh, I got to buy a house down the street because I got to stick people like Henry in it when they come visit. I didn't know you were going to pick up on that. Yeah, Jamil, how much did you say it's going for a night? Uh, I'm, I'm expecting 500 a night. All right, Henry, you're you're getting charged five hundred a night. Right. House. Right. It's like what? resort like though, guys. A half an acre. There's a beautiful pool. They got a jacuzzi. It's the whole the entire second floor is only the primary bedroom. Wow. It's got mountain views. It's it's just it's delicious. It's a bedroom that big. If what you do don't you want me to stay at your house, you don't have to sell pitch me on this one. It's fine. I'll get a hotel. <laughs> I really do want you to stay at my house because I'm expecting you to tan by my pool. <laughs> I'm absolutely getting a hotel. <laughs> oh, man. That's the second time today, uh, Jamil, it's been come clear how bad it is to be a seller of unique properties today, like those weird houses that need a little bit of love. Man, they are sitting on the market for a long time and sounds like you're getting, what, 30, 40% off because of it. I'm really like, and I'm just obnoxious on those calls too. Like, I, listen, I'm, I, I, there, there's, there is tact in how you find alignment with a listing agent. So first and foremost, just for everybody listening, what very quickly the strategy I used, I used the listing agent as my agent. So I had them do dual representation, which aligned the listing agent to my side yes. um, and gave me some extra leverage because now she's getting a 6% commission and I'm, I'm playing on the fact that I know that she probably hasn't closed a lot of deals recently. And so a 6% commission right now is going to be huge for her. So she's really going to bat to help me get this deal done. Secondly, uh, I, I actually, I disclosed that I was the guy I actually live on their block. And, and because I, I, you know, they know me, they know who I am. They've, they've seen the production vans and, you know, the things in front of my house when the TV show is being filmed. They know that I had the financial capacity to close. And so for them, they're looking at it like this guy, he can close, he's legitimate, he's real. Uh, I, I, I really played my hand firm and, and I wasn't attached to it. So when I gave them my number, they negotiate, they try to negotiate with me multiple times to try to edge that price up. And each time I just swatted back and said, nope, firm, nope, firm, nope. And finally it got done. Well done. All right. Well, thank you all for sharing, uh, for sharing these. This has been super fun. Well, I just have to share that I, I found out what it is. It's, it's not the Silicon Slopes. It's not the Silicon Beach. 
It's the Silicon Prairie. Okay. So maybe where I'm investing isn't super sexy, but the numbers work. Prairie. Silicon Prairie. I don't even know what that means. Nothing, Henry. It means nothing. (laughs) It means absolutely nothing. And it means it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's the boonies. But... That's where they're. That's where these tech companies are moving to the boonie, to the prairie. Sounds nice. Go <laughs> for those Silicon Prairie dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and after that, we're going to answer a question from someone on the Bigger Pockets forums. All right. We have a question from the bigger pockets forums and a reminder as always if you have questions for the panel and want us to answer them you could do that by going to the bigger pockets forums and posting a question so this one comes from ryan williams who asks max market rent or stable rent hello I have a lease ending on my rental property here in Denver, and I'm debating whether I should relist my rental at a max market rate, $200 or $300 more per month than my current tenant's rent, or if I should put it close to what I had rented out before, a little below the market rate, and hope to fill the vacancy as quickly as possible. Henry, going to you with this one. I think you you usually have a great perspective on this kind of thing. So the question is, do I do I go for the top dollar rent or do I stay a little above the average and fill the vacancy quickly? Yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm all for the latter in this strategy. Vacancies just cost too much money. Um and the longer it sits, the more it's going to cost you. And, and and what we're finding right now and what we're seeing is when we put properties uh, out there at top dollar, they sit a little longer. And then we end up coming down off of those prices anyway, um, having to lower rents because we do a strategy where we'll post it. And if it, we don't get what we want within a certain time period, we drop about 50 bucks off until we hit that sweet spot. Um, but if you feel like you know where your sweet spot is or you feel like you know where somebody's going to rent it at, um, I think that's where you should try to get it. Um, uh, but don't let, don't just rent to the, you know, the first person you want to rent to the first person who meets all of your qualifications, because it's still, it doesn't matter what your rent rate is. If you don't get a quality tenant, you're going to be, you're going to, it's going to cost you more money in the long term. So your tenant selection process needs to be rock solid, but I'm all for coming in a little under that top dollar rent price and getting somebody in at a price where they want to stay. Because if you get them in at top dollar and rents come down a little bit right now, because rents are trailing, uh, are starting to do what, what prices are doing in some parts of the country. If you get them in at top dollar now and in 12 months, they can get a place similar or better than yours for 50, 100, 200 bucks less. Yeah, it costs them a little bit of money to, to move. But you don't want to be dealing with that turnover because then that costs you more in the long run anyway. Totally agree. I actually just did this in Denver like two weeks ago. I I had put it at max rent and wasn't getting the quality applicant that I was looking for. And just like Henry, I just lowered it like 150 bucks. And within a week, found a great tenant, no vacancy, worked out really well. Kathy, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I was going to say it really just depends on the area. And I usually talk to my property manager to see what kind of demand that they have and what they think. Because if they're seeing tremendous demand, then it 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 might go quickly at the at the market rate or a bit above above market. That's what we're seeing still in parts of Tampa and and Florida, uh, where there's still so much demand. But uh, I generally, as a rule, do like to stay a little bit below 
uh, the market rent because that does make your tenants so happy that they're appreciative and, and want to stay generally <laughs> a little bit longer. And it just protects you, especially going into a, into a potential recession or job loss. It just, you don't want your tenants to be stretched. It's just not a good situation for anyone. No, and it always comes down to like what Kathy said is it's just market conditions. What is the supply and demand? You know, like, I mean, and it's every, it, even though it's just a rental, every asset class is this way. We just listed a flip the other day and we went on the higher side of the market because it's in a neighborhood where there's no inventory. Yes, there's a lot of inventory all around us, but if you want to be in this one specific neighborhood, you're buying our house. That's it. And it's a high demand neighborhood. <laughs> and same with rentals, right? Like if, you know, the first thing is look at where your su supply demand is, what's your absorption rate, you know, um, and then how do you, you know, don't overprice it to where you're losing a month of income, but also don't underprice it because you don't want to give money up if you don't need to give money up. And if there is no demand or if there, there, there's a high demand, you can get that high rent. Also dig into the data a lot. A lot of times that high rent comparable may have a unique feature that yours might not have. Is it more walkable? Does it have a better yard? It, like you do want to dig into those things and make sure you're comparing apples to apples because there is always that outlayer comp for selling, for renting, for whatever it is. And so really dig deep into that comparable and see what the deficiencies are. If your product's more deficient, then go with the lower rent comp. If you have the same walkable features or, or upside, then go for that higher number. People will pay for for quality of living. We've seen that the last two years. And so just dig into the data. The data will guide you on how you should price up your, your asset for rent, sale, or whatever it is. All right. Good advice from everyone. Well, thank you all for bringing your deals. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, and this was a lot of fun hanging out with you all today. I'd love to hear how all these uh, work out. So definitely track the performance of each of these deals. And maybe we'll revisit this in a couple of months and, and see how you're all performing. Sounds good. Love it. Happy to share. Well, on the show, you all are performing great. You all did an excellent job. Thank you for being here. And for everyone listening, we appreciate you. If you appreciate this show, make sure to share it with a friend. We would really appreciate that. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for On The Market. On The Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal, and a big thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but at the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market, it's about the amount of time you have in the market. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that, or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. 
These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.